Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Good day to all of you. We are in part one of the Abide series. Last time, you'll remember that I endeavored to set the context by going over who John was, the Gospel of John, so that we could drill down into John 15 in context. I think that's so important. So today, I hope you've already made it over there to rachelcarmen.com to pick up your outline. We're going to get into the first part, our first point, practice right after this. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Okay. So again, last time I told you we have three points on our outline for this study of what it looks like to abide. We're going to look at practice, participate, and persevere as we understand, as we seek to understand what it looks like to abide. So in part one today, we're going to look at practice. What does it mean? What do we need to practice to abide? Because I don't think it's immediately clear. I think we can sort of appreciate our need to abide. Certainly when we read this passage, and I'm going to actually read it to us in just a moment, when we read what Jesus is saying to his disciples, it sounds great. 
but we're not really sure what that means. And I think very often that's kind of where we get stuck in biblical study. We read the Word of God, and then we're like, okay, but what do I do with that? That sounds great, but practically, what does that mean? And so that's what I'm going to try to do during our time is what are things that we actually do with this concept of abide, especially if it's a little foggy for us. What are some things that you and I can do today? That's what my goal is, that these are things that you can start doing now. And I'm just going to say at the outset, I really believe, I really super believe that this is simple. I do not believe that this is complicated. However, I'm not going to suggest that it's easy. But I am going to dare you, let's hold hands and let's do hard things for the glory of God and for our own good. To abide means that we do things differently than the world would tell us to do things. It means that we determine, that we prioritize, that we resolve. And again, specifically today, I want to talk about some things you and I can practice that will help us abide in Him. Before we get started, I want to take a couple of minutes and actually read the passage that we're studying. And I misspoke in episode one, the first introduction. I said it was just one through 11, but it's actually one through 17. So I'm going to read from the NASB, the American Standard Bible 95, John 15, one through 17. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches." He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father loved me, I have also loved you. You abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full." This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that wherever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This command I give to you, that you love one another. 
So that's our passage, and I hope you can see there's lots of repetitive phrases and admonitions and words in there that we need to study so that we can really understand what Jesus is talking about. This seems pretty serious to me. I am the vine, he proclaims, and you are the branches. Abide in me. That's what Jesus is saying here. So what does that mean to you and me? So again, we're looking at practice during our time in this episode today, and I have two things that I believe you and I must practice if we are to abide in Christ. The first one is, I believe you and I must practice waiting. You and I need to wait on the Lord. And I just got to tell you, that can be very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. You may remember in a gladiator movie you've watched once upon a time where all of the gladiators in the arena finally start working together and they decide that they're going to put all their shields together and they're going to work together to defeat those that the lions or the other big mean guys that are trying to take them apart, right? So working together is one of the keys. And how do they work together effectively? They wait. They don't immediately separate and run in 15 different directions. They actually come together and they wait with their shields up so that once they're attacked, they can more effectively defend. You and I way too often rush out to defend, rush out to fight, and we've not taken the time to simply wait, to simply wait. Here are three things that I think that we generally do instead of wait, and I would encourage you to consider which one, or perhaps you want to put these in order that you are most likely to do these three things instead of wait. I think too often we get impatient, and we rush instead of wait. Or we, number two, wrestle instead of wait. Or number three, we wander off instead of wait. In other words, we do just about anything instead of wait. And I really believe from Genesis to Revelation over and over and over, there is this, hey, hey, wait, wait, wait. That's what you and I need to do. The admonition that fools rush in, that's a thing. And too often you and I rush in to solve something, to do something, to participate in something, when what we really need to do is slow down, and wait. I'll be back to further elaborate on this in just a minute. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. 
Okay, we talked about this last time when we were talking about a fundamental definition of abide. Here are some other things that abide means. It means to remain, to stay, don't move, don't swerve, don't drift, don't wander off, turn left or right, but stay put. Keep on the path, stay in the light, walk in the way. I know that resonates with you. It does with me. And all that sounds great. I really want to stay in the light. I really want to stay on the path. I really want to walk in the way. I really, 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 really do. But the problem is those first three things I mentioned, I rush, I wrestle, I wonder. You too, I bet. So first, today, I want to encourage you, which one are you more likely to do? Rush out, wrestle, or wander? And I want to encourage you, take that to the Lord and pray. Help me not to rush. Help me not to wrestle. Help me not to wander, right? Help me to learn. Teach me, Lord, to wait on you. A couple of biblical examples. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took his disciples with him. And again, it's another one of those things you want to study as you're reading through the Gospels. And at the end of this series, the very, very end, the conclusion episode, I'm going to talk to you about some ways that you can abide in God's Word. And this is one of the things I'm going to talk about more in depth in that episode. But today I'll simply say, when you read the Word of God over and over and over and over and over, more and more comes to light for you. you become more familiar with it as you're progressing in your maturity and your growth and your different places that you are in your life, the different circumstances and challenges that you're facing. I mean, it just, the light of God's word, the truth of God's word just gets greater and greater and greater. And this is one of the things that's remarkable to me in Jesus's ministry with his disciples, he kept including them over and over and over at varying degrees. He included them. And so this is the night he's already been betrayed by Judas. The disciples don't know that yet, but here he is going to Gethsemane instead of just saying, okay, guys, I've got to go do this thing. He takes them with him to Gethsemane. He takes them with him. So nine of them He says, you know, stay here. And he brings the inner circle, Peter, James, and John, a little further. And what does he say? Keep watch, wait, and pray. Here's the deal. They don't know for what. He doesn't say, okay, so there's this band of soldiers that are going to come and forcefully arrest me unnecessarily because they've had me in the temple, they've had me in the town all this time, and they've never done it then. Of course, you and I know that's because it wasn't the right time. But they're going to come. He doesn't tell them that. He doesn't tell them that. Even though he has told them over and over and over, this thing's about to happen, they really don't get it. But his admonition to them is the same that I think he wants to give to you and I. You and I don't know what's coming down the pike. You and I don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, much less the next five minutes. And what is his admonition to us? Wait and pray. Keep watch and pray. And that's what he asks you and I to do. Is your life in a stressful place? Are you overcome? Are you overwhelmed? I mean, I'm in a place right now where, yes, I don't know that I have enough time to wait and pray. Have you ever been there? When you kind of do know life is tough, 
it's, it's kind of when you're there, that's what you want to do is just pray, 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 pray. But if you're like me, you want to solve, 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 solve. And I can't. I can't. And when we can't, he says, okay, okay, okay. Wait and pray. Wait and pray. Psalm 27, 14, if you want to write that down, this is at the last verse in that psalm. It says this, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. And yes, wait for the Lord. In other words, don't rush in ahead of him. Wait for him. And then another perhaps more familiar passage is 40, Psalm 46.10 where it says, Cease striving. In other words, be still. Sit still. Don't move. Don't swerve. Don't drift or wander off. Don't turn left or right. Stay put. Keep on the path. In the light. In the way. And know that I'm God. And know that I'm God. Way too often, you and I do everything that we can do. We run out, we solve it. We think we solve it. We go out, we do everything we can do. And then if we can't, there's some detail or some aspect of it we can't quite figure out, then we go to God. This passage says, yeah, no, don't do that. Wait on me first. Be still and I know and know that I am God first. Let me be God. Let me show off to you. Acknowledge you can't, right? Three characters. I've got a much longer list than this here, but I don't have time to go over all of them. Just three characters in the Bible that's very fascinating how they were in circumstances wherein they were required to wait. So I really do think that there are times in our life when I think that the idea, the admonition to wait is throughout scripture. I think we are encouraged to wait, not just in crisis, not just when we're panicked, not just when everything feels like it's going wrong and we have no idea what to do. I think we're supposed to characteristically be people who wait, moms who wait, wives who wait, friends who wait, neighbors who wait, daughters who wait. I think this is supposed to characterize the way we live is we're waiting We're waiting on the Lord. We're being still. We're practicing that quietness before Him. So I think that's supposed to be like a rhythm that we're in is this waiting. Which, by the way, is not a passive thing. It's quite an active thing to wait. But I also think that there are times in our lives where we're forced into periods of waiting. Where we know what God has promised or we we know something's coming. And and all we can do between here and there is wait. That's all we can do. It could be something like we're waiting for a a phone call back from a doctor after tests have been run. Or we're waiting for a child to return home like I'm about to. A couple of my boys are coming home for spring break, and I'm waiting for them to drive in the driveway. It could be, Mom, if you're waiting for the birth of your next child, right? Or you're waiting perhaps for your husband to get the phone call of a new job, or you're waiting for the moving truck to come. You know, sometimes our waiting is more defined. We this like this period of time. Uh, there are three times here in Scripture. Again, you should go back and read these. So Abraham was promised a son. I mean, he was taught, God promised him. At 75, God met him for the first time, go to a land that I will show you. 75. 
Then he's promised a son at 85. Ishmael's born at 86. And the son of promise, Isaac, is born when Abraham was 100. That's a long wait. That's a long wait. And Abraham waited. And that's where we see his faithfulness to God. We have the story of Job. And his friends showed really a lot of wisdom, at least initially. It says in Job, let me see if I can pull that passage for you really quickly. In Job 2, 11 through 13, his friends come together. They decide that they're going to go see Job. Apparently, even back in the day, Job has lost everything and world still spread quickly. Apparently, you don't have to have social media for word to get out that really bad things have happened to you. And it says that his three friends heard all the the adversity that had come upon Job, and they each one from his own place made an appointment together to come to sympathize with him and to comfort him. There will be times in your life where you wait with somebody. You wait with them. You wait with them in their grief. You wait with them for the news. Sometimes you'll wait for something to celebrate, like the birth of a new child, or celebration of at a wedding or at a graduation. You'll wait to celebrate something, but sometimes you're going to be waiting with someone else. It says here, if you skip down to in verse, let's see, uh, the rest of that verse, it says they waited for seven days and said nothing, nothing. Because sometimes when we're waiting, that's what we need to do. Say nothing. And Psalm 46.10 points to that. Be still, and I think implies, be quiet and know that I am God. And then the third one I would encourage you to go back and read, I don't have time to chase it right now, is the story of Esther. You remember that Esther is told about this plot against the Jews that has been orchestrated by Haman. He thinks it's a foolproof plan, and the king is just oblivious to the whole thing. Esther's not known even to be a Jew. Mordecai, who's raised Esther, comes and says, you've got to say something, right? And what does she say? Does she rush in? No, she doesn't rush in. And she doesn't she doesn't wander off. She doesn't choose to be oblivious to the real impending doom. No, what does she say? She says, have everybody get together and fast and pray for three days, and then I will go in. In other words, I'm going to wait on the Lord for three days, and then I'm going to go in because I'm not supposed to go in. I'm, And she actually says in 416, if I perish, I perish, but I'm going to wait three days. And if you read the rest of the story, she goes in to the king, and the first time you think this, she's going to announce it, this is what she's going to say, and she senses that it's not right, and she waits. See, she doesn't rush. She waits. And sometimes you and I know we need to wait, and we don't. But there's an example here in the story of Esther. So the first way we're going to practice what it looks like to abide, the first way is we're going to wait. The second way, and this won't surprise you, is we're going to choose to obey. Now, before we even get started with this second practice, I hope you can see these are totally interlocked with each other. To wait is to obey, and to obey is to wait. But there also comes a time of action, right? And we need to prioritize obedience and waiting together because they complement each other. They do not conflict with each other. They do not cancel each other out. They actually complement each other. 
The Bible says this, no love, no greater love has anyone than this, that they lay down their life for someone else. Jesus was tested, confronted by the religious leaders, right? And they want to know what's the greatest commandment. In other words, what is the number one thing we need to obey, right? And Jesus, without even pausing, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You want to know what it means to obey God? Love God. How do you love God? Worship God. Worship God. Love Him with your whole being. Worship Him. Honor Him in word and deed. That's what it means to obey God. That's what it means. And I'm going to suggest to you, we know that. We know that. It's in the doing that we fall short. It's not in the knowing. It's in the doing. Further on, Jesus answers a second question they didn't even ask and says, the second one's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We're to love our neighbors. Love each other. And this is where it's simple but not easy. Right? Look, we were made to worship. That's how God wired us. That He is our creator. He made us to worship, which means if we're made to do something, we can't not do it. So here's the deal. You're worshiping something. You're honoring something. You love something. And your behavior and your actions and your words and your attitudes and the way you live, it is obvious what that something is. Whether or not you want to admit it, other people know. They know what it is that you love. Even if you don't, they know what you worship. Even if you deny it. Because we were made to worship. And we can't not. And Jesus lays it out. Worship me. Love me. In the passage we just read, how do we love God? We obey Him. We keep His commandments. And what is His highest commandment? That you love one another. Do you see how this is all interlocking? How this all works together? Skipping over to 1 Corinthians 13, we get this. Love is patient. What You say, okay, love my neighbor. I don't even know what that means. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, I do. It's very clear. Again, simple, not easy. The first attribute to love that the Apostle Paul lists to the church at Corinth is patient. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's what we're called to. To obey God is to exhibit that kind of love. To live that kind of self-sacrificing love. That's what God is asking us to do. That's what it looks like to abide, is to practice that kind of love. Because that's obedience. And when we practice this kind of love, we're obeying God, and we're learning what it means to abide. Because When we abide in Him, we're able to love like this. Because here's the deal. You can't love like this if you don't abide in Him. It's not possible. It's not possible. Not that long ago, we did a series on love. And the first in that series was Love Defined, where I said we need to get back to a biblical definition of love that's not squishy. 
that is grounded in the truth of God's word. Indeed, it does say in 1 John that God is love, but that doesn't mean that anything goes. That's not what that scripture means. Because not only is God love, God is also just. And God has laid out in his scripture, his holy scripture, he has given us a gift and he has laid out for us loving limits for our flourishing, for our good and for his glory. That's what the Bible is all about, is it's to teach us how to live in a way that best honors Him, which, by the way, we flourish when we honor Him. That is good for our souls. We were not just made to worship, we were made to worship Him. Because when we worship anything but Him, it's empty. It's empty. There's not anything else that we could possibly ever worship that will bless us like worshiping Him. Anything else that we worship costs us. It costs us. Because it's never free. And it's never enough. But when we dare to worship God, blessing upon blessing, grace upon grace, and it's not about what we give to Him His love is abundant toward us. It's not the same to worship the things of this world and the Almighty God. The contrast is significant and the choice is clear. And he asks us to obey by loving. That is the choice that he gives us and that he lays out. Here's how it works. God says, if you love me, You will keep my commandments, and if you keep my commandments, you're my friends, and you will abide in me. Abiding is evidence of our love. Loving God is obeying God, and it is the key to abiding in God, being a friend of God. Daily abiding means that we're practicing, that we're daring to live that we know what it means to wait on God and that we dare, we dare to obey God by living lives of love. See, when we talk about practice, one thing that I know about practice is probably true about you. I want instant results. So I don't know if you work out, but my husband and I are determined to stay in shape so we can chase around our grandkids. That is the objective. I'm not going to walk any runways ever, 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 but I do want to be able to chase my grandkids and they're multiplying. So I want to be able to be in enough shape that I can run around the playground and and really enjoy them, pushing them on the swing, taking long walks in the park. I want to do that. But often when we work out, we want instant Instant results. What you and I need to dare to do when it comes to this practice of wait and obey is we need to trust that over time, it's going to do its work. It's not going to be instant. And it's not going to be easy. But it is going to be for His glory and our good. For His glory and our good. As we continue to do this wait and obey, over and over, rinse and repeat, as we take time to spend with God. We're not always going to feel it. We're not. We're not always going to feel it. I've got a son who's playing collegiate soccer, and he and I will talk 
and he'll tell me how practice is going. And and he'll go, I got to admit, Mom, I'm so bored of the same routine, the same skill drills. I'm so bored. But there have been phone calls I've gotten from him, and he'll say, okay, Mom, I'm finally seeing a breakthrough. I'm finally seeing that this makes a difference. I didn't understand why we were doing this. But I see now why we're doing this. God calls you and I to do things, to wait on Him, to obey Him. And sometimes neither of those things make sense to us. But we need to dare to trust Him, the sovereign King of the universe, that our practice of His truth is transforming us into the image of His Son, that it is making us holy for his use. We'll continue this series next time. I'm looking forward to being with you then. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. Hey there, it's Nicole Eunice from the How to Study the Bible podcast, and I'd love to invite you to join us as we weekly discover a passage of God's Word together. From beginning to end, from principles to practicals, we are here to make sure that God's Word is powerful and relevant to your life. If that sounds like something you're looking for, I would love to invite you to subscribe. You can go to lifeaudio.com and search How to Study the Bible, and we'll see you there.